I thought I would uh, begin this this uh, special morning by taking a a few moments to remember some of the insightful lessons that our moms have taught us throughout the years. Very insightful. So let me read, I have a list, I'm not sure where the list came from, but I have a list of your insightful lessons, mom, that we have, we have been taught by you. Okay? So here we go. My mom taught me to appreciate a job well done. She said, if you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. My mother taught me about religion. You better pray. That comes out of the carpet. My mother taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I will knock you into the middle of next week. That was, I don't know, that was a dad thing for me. I, I heard that several times from my dad, not, not my mom, but it's there. My mother taught me about logic. Because I said so. That's why. And if you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you can't go to the store with me. My mother taught me about foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. I've heard that one many times. My mother taught me about stamina. You'll sit there until all those green beans are finished. My mother taught me about hypocrisy. If I've told you once, I've told you a million times. Don't exaggerate. (laughs) Took you a while, right? Okay. Okay. My mother taught me how to meet a challenge. What were you thinking? Answer me. Don't talk back to me. (laughs) My mother taught me about weather. It looks like a tornado went through this room. My mother taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world. I will take you out. That was another dad thing for me. That wasn't a mom thing. (laughs) I heard that many times from dad. (laughs) My mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait till we get home. My mother taught me about receiving. You're going to get it when your father gets home. My mother taught me about genetics. You're just like your father. (laughs) my mother taught me about hard work being a mother is not easy if it was fathers would do it that stung didn't it it's so true and lastly my mother taught me about justice one day you'll have kids 
And I hope they are just like you. <laughs> Mother's curse. That's right. Moms, we do really, we do love you and we surely appreciate your, your wise and insightful, uh, lessons. Uh, even though they may be comical, they are, they are appreciated. Uh, this morning we are stepping away from Second Peter because I wanted to devote a special sermon to mothers. And to those women who are very motherly uh, in nature on this uh, Mother's Day. Uh, I I thought long and hard about this sermon. First, considering several motherly examples from the Bible, maybe to kind of gain some inspiration from. I thought about Hannah. Remember Hannah? Hannah was the mother of, of Samuel who devoted Samuel to the Lord's service. I thought about Jacobit. Know that name? That's the mother of Moses. You remember she protected her son Moses from the, the edict of, of, uh, of the Pharaoh. And of course, I, I thought about Mary, the young lady who was the deliverer of our deliverer, Jesus. I also considered this woman we just read about in Proverbs uh, 31, but I hesitated to to use her for fear of intimidating and maybe even discouraging some women who do not seem to measure up what we, she's an ideal woman, what we we read there. Uh, So I didn't want to discourage any woman. I guess I could have used Jezebel. And that would have uh, probably <laughs> made every mother feel good about themselves. But I thought that would be, a, that was probably a bad, uh, bad choice. I'd probably pay for that one later. So as I, as I thought about my options, um, I kept coming back to this story I found in 1 Kings. And I think that is where we are supposed to, to land uh, this morning. So if you have your Bible... Turn to 1 Kings chapter 3, and we will begin with verse 16. 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. And as you are turning there, I want to give you a little bit of of background information. Solomon had just replaced his father, David, as the new the new king. King Solomon was probably about 20 years old uh, when he took the throne and he recognized his need for divine help in his new role. So he prays to God. We're told that Solomon could have prayed for almost anything. Riches, power, long life, could have prayed for honor. But instead, this young man asked God for the most important thing in his new role as king. Wisdom. He prayed for wisdom. Well, God honored his request and blessed Solomon with the wisdom he would need to rule the nation. And the passage we are going to explore this morning is the first example of this great 
wisdom. Okay? So 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. Let me read. Then two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. One woman said, Oh my Lord, this woman I live and I live in the same house. And I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. It happened on the third day after I gave birth that this woman also gave birth to a child. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house. Only the two of us were in the house. This woman's son died in the night because she lay on it. She arose in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your maidservant slept and laid upon him in her bosom and laid her dead son in my bosom. When I arose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him carefully in the morning, behold, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, for the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. But the first woman said, no, for the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. We are told that two prostitutes lived together, most likely in a brothel. They became pregnant and they delivered babies only three days apart. Now, we are not told why these women were prostitutes. We're not giving any information about their past. Maybe their husbands divorced them. And left them high and dry. Maybe their husbands were killed in battle. And these women were left to fend for themselves without support of family and friends. Maybe they were slaves who were forced by their owners to engage in this activity. Or maybe they made some really bad choices that led them down this dark path. We just don't know. We're not told. But what we do know is that in Solomon's day, prostitutes were one of the most disrespected group of individuals in Hebrew society. The kind of people who would typically be overlooked in their quest for justice. But surprisingly, they get to make their case before the king. Which begs the question, at least for me, why did Solomon hear their case? We're not told exactly. But in Solomon's prayer to God for wisdom, I think maybe we find a clue. He said in his prayer, your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen. A great people who are too many to be numbered and 
counted. I would like to think that when Solomon prayed for wisdom to serve as the king, he recognized that the people under his rule were still God's people. They belonged to God. And in his wisdom, Solomon knew that in spite of their past, in spite of their problems, God was concerned about these women and he should be too. Now with the king's full attention, the story is told that during the night, one of the mothers had laid on her newborn son and it died. In the darkness... She took her dead child and exchanged it with the roommate's living son, hoping she wouldn't notice. But in the morning, as the roommate was preparing to nurse, she discovered the dead child. And she knew it wasn't hers. And unfortunately, the guilty woman refused to admit any wrongdoing And would not return the child. So here are these two women of equal social status. That would have been important. Equal social status. There is one baby. And both women claim the baby is theirs. Since there were no witnesses to the birth of the two babies... Or the death of the one baby. And since there was no medical or DNA testing to prove maternity back then. It was literally one woman's word against the other woman. Even though it is obvious that one of them is not telling the truth. So what was Solomon to do? Let's continue with verses 23 through 25. Verse 23. Then the king said, The one says, This is my son who is living, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, No, for your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. The king said, Get me a sword. So they brought a sword to the king. The king said, Divide the living child in two. And give half to one and half to the other. That just got real, didn't it? Using his divine wisdom... Solomon decided to produce his own evidence by using the maternal instincts of these women. In other words, Solomon went right to their hearts. For the heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. So this new young king calls for a sword which likely seemed strange and unreasonable and maybe even dangerous to those in attendance. But upon his command, 
a sword is given to the king. Then with the sword, Solomon ordered the baby to be divided in two with each mother getting her half. I can only imagine the thoughts of those who heard this crazy command and their concerns about their new, and now it seems their very barbaric king. But Solomon was given wisdom from God. So let's see what happens beginning with verse 26. Then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king. For she was deeply stirred over her son and said, Oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king said, Give the first woman the living child. And by no means kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they feared the king. For they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. In his command to divide the baby in two, Solomon revealed the heart of the true mother. Surely the true mother wanted her child returned to her. That's a given, right? But she was willing to give up her child to the other women if it was the only way to save her baby's life. Solomon exposed their hearts, discovered the true mother, and returned the child to her. This passage is primarily about the wisdom that God blessed Solomon with. However, there are some truths found in this passage that speak about mothers. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Now, before I present the first truth, I want to say that it is not meant to demean mothers in any way, but rather to encourage them and to build them up. Okay? And the first truth is this. Women do not have to be perfect mothers to be the right mothers. Women do not have to be perfect mothers to be the right mothers. We are told in verse 16, these women were prostitutes. That's what we're told. And granted, it is a very small detail in this story. However, with that small detail, we can assume that life for them did not turn out as they had hoped or expected. For whatever reason, men are not mentioned in this story. And that's a big deal in that culture. 
And we can conclude that these men are gone for whatever reason. And in order to survive, these women apparently felt they had to resort to selling their bodies. Now, I am not making excuses for these two women and their choices in life. But our passage points out that women do not have to be perfect mothers to be the right mothers. There are no perfect husbands. Sorry, guys. There are no perfect children. And mothers aren't perfect either. Their lives aren't perfect. And they are not expected to be perfect. So moms quit piling on the unrealistic and unreasonable expectations to be something you won't be. You won't be perfect. Maybe if you let go of the idea of being the perfect mother and accept you'll make mistakes just like everybody else, you might be able to appreciate the messiness and the madness that often tends to come with motherhood. My mom was far from perfect. And unfortunately, she passed away at the age of 60. Young, young, young for her. But God chose her for me. And I thank God for that. She was a blessing to me. And if the truth be known, it was in her imperfections that made her the right mom for me. You don't have to be perfect mothers, but you can be the right mothers. Does that make sense? Here's another truth found in this passage. Mothers have a heart of compassion. Mothers have a heart of compassion. No matter the circumstances of how this baby came into the world, the right mother had compassion for him. In verse 26, we are told, The woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king, for she was deeply stirred over her son. Those words, deeply stirred, speak about her compassion for her child. Meaning, she hurts in her gut for her child. She experiences distress For her child. And these emotions cause her to act on behalf of her child. Mothers have a heart and it moves them to action, and there is power in her compassion. Marianne Bird wrote a short story entitled The Whisper Test. Have you heard it? The Whisper Test. It's a true story from her own life. She said, I grew up knowing I was different. And I hated it. I was born with a a cleft palate. 
And when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I must look to others. A little girl with a misshapen lip. Crooked nose. Lopsided teeth. And garbled speech. When schoolmates would ask, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that no one outside my family could love me. There was, however, a motherly teacher in the second grade that we all adored, Miss Leonard by name. She was short, round, happy, a sparkling lady. Annually, we would have a hearing test. I was virtually deaf in one of my ears. But when I had taken the test in prior years, I discovered that if I did not press my hand as tightly upon my ears as I was instructed to do, I could pass the test. Miss Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class. And finally, it was my turn. I knew from past years that as we stood against the door and covered one ear, the teacher sitting at her desk would whisper something and we would have to repeat it back. Things like, the sky is blue. Do you have new shoes? I waited for those words that God must have put into her mouth. Those seven words which changed my life. Miss Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my little girl. That's the power of compassion from a motherly woman. A compassion that changed the life of this little girl and a compassion that saved a boy from Solomon's sword. The last truth I found in this passage is this. Mothers are willing to sacrifice. I think it is fair to say that most of the time we don't realize the sacrifices mothers make. And do you know why that is? Because they don't tell you. And you don't find out until usually some time later. When my father was in federal prison, when I was a teenager, my mother waited on tables at a restaurant. 
she was good at what she did. And customers loved her. They would come just to see her. And it wasn't until years later that I learned that she waited on tables day in and day out with a broken ankle. A completely broken ankle. Without ever seeking medical care. She served and she endured and she sacrificed so her three kids would not. Mothers are willing to sacrifice. They are willing to give up things. They are willing to do without. They are willing to do the hard things, even the heart-breaking things, to do what is best for their children. Look again at verse 26. This mother cried out to King Solomon, O my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. This mother was probably willing to give her own life for her child, but that wasn't an option given to her. So she was willing to sacrifice her own motherhood for the life of her child. And that's what true mothers do. They sacrifice. It begins as they sacrifice their own bodies to carry around a basketball in their womb. In their womb, they fed us, they nourished us, and protected us with their own bodies before we ever saw the light of day. But their sacrifice doesn't stop there. They keep, it, they keep on giving. They give up sleep and other comforts. Comforts we take for granted for the sake of their children. Ask yourself how many times you got new clothes when your mother wore the same old clothes. Mothers often put themselves, their wants, their desires, their goals, and their dreams aside so their children can achieve theirs. That's what mothers do. They are willing to sacrifice, sacrifice it all if need be. I recently came across another true story that happened during the Holocaust. Solomon Rosenberg, his wife, And their two sons were arrested and placed in a concentration camp. The rules were simple. As long as they did their work, they were permitted to live. When they became too weak to work, they would be exterminated. Rosenberg watched as his own father and mother were marched off to their deaths. And he knew his youngest son, David, 
would be next because he had always been a frail child. Every evening, Rosenberg came back into the barracks after his hours of hard labor and searched for the faces of his family. When he found them, they would huddle together, embrace one another, and thank God for another day of life. One day, he came back and didn't see those familiar faces. He finally discovered his oldest son, Joshua, in a corner, sobbing and praying. Josh, tell me it's not true. Joshua turned to his dad and said, it's true. Today, David was not strong enough to do his work. So they took him away. Mr. Rosenberg then asked, but where's your mother? Where's your mother? Joshua could barely speak and finally uttered, when they came for David, he was afraid and cried. So mom took his hand and went with him. Here was a woman who could not control her circumstances. She could not control other people. And at the cost of her own life, she could not help but being a mother. When I think about the compassion and the sacrifice of mothers, I cannot help but think of the compassion and the sacrifice of God for us. God is called our Heavenly Father, but His heart is often reflected in the heart of a mother. Jesus said, in a motherly fashion, when speaking about those who had rejected him, how often I wanted to gather your children together just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Like a mother, Jesus loved people so much, he wanted to sweep them under his wings, so to speak. But the chicks would not come. And instead, instead they scattered in all directions. But did that stop his love? Absolutely not, for we are later told in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus loves us so much. He has so much compassion for us. 
And even while we had rejected him, he was still willing to sacrifice himself for us. That can't go unnoticed, can it? And maybe this morning, you need to open your heart and hear the compassionate and sacrificial Lord say to you, whisper to you, I wish you were my child. I wish you were my child. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for mothers. Thank you, Father, for blessing us with mothers, the right mothers. Thank you for the love and the compassion and the sacrifice you have built into their hearts, it seems. Thank you for the mothers who have changed our lives. I'm not the person I would be today, Lord, without you first and foremost, but without my mom. Many of the traits that I have, Lord, you know, come from my mom. Thank you for her. Father, I thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy and your grace, and your compassion, and your sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice of giving your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for someone who had rejected them. Thank you for Jesus. Father, may you be honored and glorified this morning. May you be lifted up. May you be pointed out. For you are the only one who can save. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. I I miss my mom. I was 40 when she passed away. She was 60. Died at a fairly young woman. When I read the story about Miss Leonard, my mom was about five foot tall, if that, plump, round, very jovial. She used to chase me around the <laughs> around the house with her hands out, trying to catch me, and uh, I, I would just laugh as she's chasing me around the house, and she'd start laughing too. I probably angered her first, and then they just they turned into laughter afterwards. I suspect that when I finally get to heaven and she, and she meets me there, she's going to have her hands out and she's going to chase me around, and I'm going to be laughing, and she's going to be laughing. Right? I miss I miss my mom. I do. Loved her dearly. She wasn't a perfect mom, but she was the perfectly right mom for me. And here's the other thing about my mom. She's living life to the fullest. My mom has a better life than I have. Think about it. She has a better life than I have. 
Christ died for us, didn't he? Even though we rejected him, we wanted nothing to do with him. We wanted to do our own thing, our own way, right? Let's be honest. That's what we wanted to do. Wanted to worship me. That's what I wanted to do. Me, myself, and I. I'll do what I want, when I want, with whom I want. That was my mentality. And Christ still died for me. He went to the cross and paid a sin debt. My sin debt. That he did not owe. Because I had a sin debt that I could not pay. He went to the cross on my behalf. What else does he have to do to show how much he loves us? What more, what more could he do to demonstrate how much he loves us? Nothing. That's, that is the ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice. What else could he do? He loves us that much. He loves us that much. And oftentimes, he shows that love in the heart of a mom. In the heart of a mom. I love moms. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe the Lord is whispering to you. I wish you were my child. I wish you were my child. It could change your life. It can change your life. I'd ask you to respond to that. Maybe you're looking for a church home. This is who we are. What you see is what you get. (laughs) If you feel like this is where God has called you, I'd ask you to respond to him as well. Maybe there's something else going on in your life. I would love to pray with you. However the Lord leads you to respond, I just ask you to be obedient and just respond. Let the close in prayer. Pray for our offering. Uh, Pray for... Uh, our, our fellowship afterwards. Again, we've got a lot of food back there. And also, uh, Larry has heart surgery uh, in Seattle on the 13th. That'll be, thir- I believe it's Thursday, right? Uh, so uh, we want to pray for Larry as well. Just remember Larry throughout the week. Uh, they drive up to Seattle on the 12th. Uh, and so give them some, pray for some traveling mercies. And then just pray that the, the doctors would, would uh, have discernment and wisdom and understanding and that uh, Larry uh, responds well to, to this, uh, this surgery. I know he's, uh, he's a little nervous about it. Uh, and so I just pray that, uh, you know, he's in good hands, right? He's in the Lord's hands. And so we, we want to just, uh, just pray for him again today, but also throughout the week. Uh, just, just continue to lift him up and, uh, and the physician. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you so much for your love and your mercy. You are good. You are good. And Father, we can trust you. Um, Father, I, I thank you so much for, uh, for blessing us. And, and Father, I, I pray that 
uh, you would bless our, our tithes and our offerings and our giving. And Father, that you would give us wisdom and discernment as to how to use your money, for it is your money. Bless the, bless the, the gift and bless the giver, Father. I also pray, Lord God, for our food and our fellowship. Lord, I pray there would be a sweet fellowship, that you'd bless those who've, uh, who've brought food, Lord, and those who prepared food. And Lord, I guess I just pray that we just uh, bless our bodies as well. And then, Father, especially for, for Brother Larry, Heavenly Father, I just pray that your hand would be upon him. Lord, that you uh, would give him the strength he needs to endure and persevere. Uh, Father, I pray for, for those who are involved in the procedure. Uh, Father, I know these are, these are top-notch doctors. But Father, even then, I pray, Lord, you give them special wisdom, special insight. The wisdom of Solomon, Lord God, if, if need be, to properly care and, and treat and perform on, on Larry. And Lord, I pray for traveling mercies as well uh, up there towards Seattle. Lord, I just pray you just kind of part the Red Sea for them and uh, just make uh, the traveling up there just uh, actually pleasant. So Father, I thank you for what you're going to do. We know we can trust you. You are a good, good God. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.